Hi, and welcome to Mousebirds, your family vacation planning experts. Mousebirds is brought to you by the Tomorrowland Travel Authority Vacations Travel Agency. TTA Vacations specializes in helping you plan your Disney, Universal, and Cruise Line vacations. To take advantage of our free planning services, contact us at ttavacations at gmail.com. Our show hosts are your agents, so contact us to have us help plan your dream family vacation today. Hi, I'm Ron, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Laurel and Rachel. Hello. Yo-ho, yo-ho, Pirate's Life for me. And today we're going to be talking about an intro to Epcot Festivals, and specifically the the International Food and Wine Festival, which will be starting in just a couple weeks. Uh, I'm going to kind of turn this one over to Rachel to host. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so the Food and Wine Festival. Everybody waits every year with bated breath on what the menus are going to be whenever they're finally announced for the Food and Wine Festival and what the different experiences and things that are going to be happening. It is probably the ultimate number one festival that most people enjoy at Epcot every year, Yeah, uh, particularly the locals there. There are other festivals, and I will say the Epcot Food and Wine Festival is not for the faint of heart. Is it? There, is it this one the longest running festival it is. as well? It, it yeah. is the it, longest. So the most festival. people actually physically can visit it. Yes, um, it, it. But it is the longest festival that happens at Epcot every year, and it is probably one the one that is the most long-standing. Meaning, I think this was the one that it's started it all. I recall. Flower and Garden's close on both counts, but I yes. think this might have gone longer. I feel like this one has gone has gone longer. Because when I lived in Florida, it was also happening back then. So clearly, it's been a while since it's been there. But what is the Food and Wine Festival, you ask us? And why is it important to Epcot? What is the theme of it? And how is it working at Epcot? Uh, so what do you guys want to say that's more specific to what the actual Food and Wine Festival is and how does that work with the Epcot themes? Well, I'm going to start with what I like about it. I mean, I I actually love the theme. It's an international, like, theme. I mean, it's about food and drinks and wine, obviously, from all over the world. Things that are special and unique um, and, and things that maybe, you know, uh, that you that you didn't realize were from those countries and things. So it's, it's super fun. I love the it's international true. aspect to it. And it's a great segue to what Epcot really stands for anyway, because right. half of Epcot really is the concept of international uh, world showcase. So w- what about that aspect works for you, Ron? What do you love about it? Well, like, all the festivals have booths, food booths. This has the most... Like, but the other ones tend to focus on an ingredient or a style or something like that. This one focuses on a region. Like, you're going to get, most of them are going to be a country or an area of a country. You're going to get a few that are more, like, barbecue themed or some sort of ingredient themed. And those tend to be the ones that are more towards the front of the park in, uh, the World Celebration, or whatever they're calling the different parts of Future World. I've got to remember these. It's one of those things that you've gotten so used to just saying over the years. It's tough to, you know, it's tough for me not to call Hollywood Studios MGM half the time. I know, I feel your pain. But that's what it is. It's the, these are all the different booths for different countries or regions, and I think that's what stands out from the other festivals. Uh, there, This one used to have more events going on. Uh, since the closure of the 
parks and the closure of the festival center around COVID, a lot of those events haven't come back and I do miss them. Yeah. And those are some of our best memories are from some of those events, particularly the party for the senses. Oh my goodness. But, you know, <sighs> we'll talk about that a little bit, but let's not dwell on things that, that we won't the listeners the can't see yes. this year at least. Uh, the, uh, the the festival is starting on July 27th this year and going through November 18th. So that is a so, good solid four months. So basically we would say that this festival generally runs from late summer into into late fall. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So that's that that's several months that this particular festival goes on. Does it stay the same throughout the festival or does it change De- at all? Depends on the booth. Some of them have a more summer focused menu and then a fall focused. Uh, which is one thing that have changed since they expanded. It used to start in like late August, early September, and now it's been meant to fill the summer because summer yeah. used to be Epcot light or yeah. or diet or vanilla, whatever people mm-hmm. call it. Now this has kind of taken over that concept as well. And I think that we haven't done it in the summer ever. We've always we were I mean we do s- like September we do or fall, October. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine doing some of this in that. Like, July heat. Yeah, that would be intense. But, I, again, I think, like Ron said, they've sort of made some changes over the years. And some of the booths have early season, you know, or, or early festival items that maybe, you know, change throughout the festival time period. Um, and then sometimes they have items that are completely removed altogether. You know, so, sometimes that, that just might be because of supply chain or things ran out, et cetera. Yeah. Or but don't also, work. They, or don't yeah. sell. Or don't sell well, yeah. sell well. They may yeah. change the, the, near the end of the festival. Yeah. yeah. And one of the nice things about the festival, which you didn't mention, Ron, is that they try new things out. This is, I mean, let's be fair. Like, Disney needs to have opportunities to test things out with the public. Some of these items, when they do really well, they come back over and over again, which is fun. But you might yeah. also find alternative versions of them in the other restaurants or other types of quick service areas over time. Um, and, and, you know, some of these things become iconic festival experiences, you know, yeah. like the kimchi dog. Right. So <laughs> the booth is usually about 28, give or take. I think the largest year was like 32 booths. I think this year is 27 or 28. Because I don't remember if it's a 27 booths or 27 returning booths and one new booth. I think there's only one full new booth this year. Okay. But about 75% of the items overall are returning items year to year from different things. Like, let's just say, I think one of everybody's favorite is that uh, slider, the uh, pulled pork slider, or the... uh, the like a Kahlua pork slider. slider that they have yeah. at Hawaii, or the Spam dish at Hawaii, or yeah, the Spam hash. The or they have a uh, Brazilian cheese bread, or the Belgian waffles, like or these the, things. The beer cheese soup in Canada. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Or like the uh, Irish bread with the Irish butter always yeah. comes every year. Or they even have the haggis, some version of a haggis. Sometimes I don't think that, depends if they have a Scotland or not. Yeah, that's, that's true. Because they don't always have a Scotland booth. Well, I think it, they're back to just years. Ireland yeah. for the UK now. Oh, no. So, so <laughs> one of the joys, though, about these festivals is that you're not paying extra for these festivals. Like, these are technically a part of your day ticket. Now, what you are, of course, paying for are the individual things that you choose to experience during the festival that may that may not necessarily be inclusive of the park ticket. Right, like the food so, items. like your food that, items, yeah. Like the food items in your booth or... Um, if they happen, to, if they happen to schedule without necessarily having an advanced schedule, but they happen to schedule some special events, 
that are ticketed events that you can only purchase yep. because you've already purchased your ticket for entry to the park, those will also be extra. Like if they have some demonstrations that you, there that you can purchase a ticket for, or if they even have a party of some yeah. kind that is into interior to the park, which which do, they don't have or haven't announced for this year that we've seen. Yeah, um, I I don't think any of these have returned since COVID. So normally they would do the seminars, like Laura was saying, like something some sort of demonstration. Some of those were free. Some of them charged. They used to have tastings, like. You're going to get three or four this time. We did a burger tasting once, and we were sitting next to some of the Disney Parks blog, like the official, like, photographers who were there to film the thing, and they got the food for it, but they were working, so they couldn't eat it or didn't want to eat it, so we got double food because we got their two dishes as well, and those were always a good value because those were usually somewhere between $25 to $35, and there would be mixology classes or we would do a mezcal or a martini and those were great those haven't come back yet i think more at this point because they don't have a place to host them yeah there's no festival center at the moment which really takes a bit away from these festivals in my opinion it it also might be because disney is still dealing with staffing staffing and supply chain related Mm -hmm. issues that are really just because of COVID and the pandemic. Because so. these were upcharge events. It, it seems weird that they that were they cut costs for them. some other reason. I think when we get a festival center back, we're going to see these. The other one, which I really hope makes a return, they were cutting back even the years before COVID. I think because the price got was high. Like It started at about 150 when we did it, and it went up to like 300 plus. But I think it was one of the things most worth the money was the party for the senses, which was an after, not an after hours, but it started in the evening, and it was not the food from the booths, but kind of there were exclusive booths inside, which were manned by chefs from around the country that would fly in for the weekend mm-hmm. and do these Friday and Saturday or just Saturday night things, and they would have one or two dishes at each booth, right. and everything there was included, so... Uh, the year we did it, I was the designated driver, so I didn't get to fully enjoy yeah. a lot of that. <laughs> but they also have beverages at all of these booths as well, desserts, and they even had special booths that were just desserts. Ooh, those were great. But, oh, yeah. right, we're going on things people can't do, yeah. so let's but just go. eventually, hopefully, the Right now, so it's two so main things, the food booths and the Eat to the Beat concert series. Yeah. Well, and since you bring that up, what age groups do you think really work well with the Food and Wine Festival and what is actually included in this festival? What are the different things that we can experience at the Food and Wine Festival? So it works for everybody, I'd say. Like, obviously, there's wine, and not just wine. There's beer, mixed drinks. Those are all at the booths. Each booth, which is the main part of the festival, are the food booths. There's 27 or 28. Uh, I have a list of some of the ones that are confirmed uh, well, here. Since you brought up the Eat to the Beat concert series, well, you look that up. Um that series is kind of interesting because there's different opportunities that come along with that as well. Um, because you, there are people that come in for these concerts that you probably would not see otherwise. That's true. And some of them now, like during the week, tends to be like local or cover bands. Or not at, every band isn't a big international hit, but uh, bands I know that are coming this year that I know uh, for King and Country, which uh, I think they're either like a Christian country group. I'm not sure who they are, but I've heard people talk about them. They real. I've heard, heard people say they were interested in seeing them. The Bacon Brothers, Kevin Bacon, 
Uh, his his band is there. Joey Joey Fatone and friends. Yay! Who could those friends be in Orlando? Oh, Joey Fatone. Oh my God! I'm, I wish we were there. The, <laughs> the Baja Men. Andy yeah, would love Baja that because she <laughs> loves who lets the dogs out for summer. Ray Parker Jr. He's the Ghostbusters song guy, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, that would be so fun. Ninety-eight oh, degrees, man. boys to men. Ninety-eight degrees, Nicholas. Hoobastank seems kind of a weird word. That They're a little bit of a heavier act. Right? They're not usually that heavy, but they've been but there before. I wouldn't be surprised if they like if everyone's trying to get into that one. Like they've had the, but I've seen some. I've seen some real intense experiences of people really trying to get into those '90s bands. Oh yeah, uh, events there and, and they always used to have gin popular. blossoms and. Yes. Uh, Sister Hazel was one you always oh, liked. Oh, Sister Hazel. But uh, Air Supply, Hanson, oh, Big Air Bad Supply. Voodoo Daddy, Sheila E, 38 Hansen. Special. These are all the... Hanson, Laurel. Oh, oh my God. There are more oh, bands than these, but those are the ones that I wanted to, like, that stuck out to me. So, like, outside of the food, the Eat to the Beat concert series, to me, is probably it's one of the worth better the options. Oh, Sugar Ray. <gasps> Sugar Ray. Uh, that's another one this year. Sunday. But, yeah. but so they play about three shows, usually starting in the late afternoon to early yeah. evening. So there are packages, which is the one upcharge yeah. beyond just food. But you're going to get food with this. They sell packages at different restaurants, different prices depending on what restaurant you go to. Mm-hmm. That are guaranteed seating. You still have to get there a little early. You can't just show up for a six o'clock show at six o'clock yeah, you have to and line expect up. to be let yeah. in. Yeah, if you usually, I'd say get there for like a half hour early if you have a package. For some of these big acts, like Boys to Men, you just start lining up at 2 o'clock and hope to get into one of those shows. Yeah, there are long queues for some of these Eat to the Beat shows if you haven't done uh, a pre-planned package. But you could also just... bring it up, though, do you think that the Eat to the Beat concert package is worth it? It can be. If you're intending on getting a meal anyway, this goes for any of them. We do the Candlelight Processional one when we're there for that. Because we're planning on eating a meal in the park at some point, so might as well pay an extra five, ten bucks and get this guaranteed seating. Uh, there might even be some that have, I think like Regal Eagle sometimes has some of these packages depending on and, the and seasonal. So yeah. you can get a quick service one that's like thirty-five bucks a person, and you know you're getting a twenty-dollar meal and then the thing. I think it's a good, yeah, it's a good combo for that. Uh, if you're not planning on seeing the show, don't do it to go see the show. Like, but like, if it's one of the like if, if local you, bands, you don't need it. It's also if you want to just walk by and hear one or two songs, you can do that. Go stand across the street from the like. You can true. hear the you music can hear the everywhere, concert, even when you're not yeah. inside the venue. But there's no personal seating. You know, obviously. people will hang out in front of uh, the American Adventure or over in the Hops and Barley booth seating area, and you can hear the bands play, no problem. It's if you really want that up close experience. Yeah, this is a good thing. So we've got food booths. We've got the Eat to the Beat concert series. What are some of the other things that you can also do at the Food and Wine Festival? Like they have the scavenger hunts. Yeah. That's true. They have the Ratatouille scavenger hunts right now. It's usually a Ratatouille theme, although the theme could certainly change depending on the festival. I think it's called what? Emile's Fromage Montage? No, that's the cheese walk. We'll get into that in a second. Oh, yeah, that's true. Remy's Ratatouille Hide and Squeak. Ah, thank you. So there's a little... uh, Remy from Ratatouille statue with a different ingredient hidden in all the booths. And this is, you can do it for free, but there's also a paid version, which is like 7 or $8. You buy the map. There's stickers. And there's stickers. You go and you, you take your kid around, or you can do this as an adult, obviously, and you fill in the stickers and you match the stickers to the country. And then when you're done, you turn it in. They let you keep the map, obviously. They just stamp it or whatever. 
whatever, and you get a little prize. Sometimes it's been a keychain. I think it's a cup again this year Ooh, or a nice. plate. Nice. Those are the things. That, and you could also just buy the thing and they'll give it to you. Like, that's what you're really buying when you do the thing. But but we like the scavenger hunt. But the scavenger hunt is fun, and, and it keeps something to do as you walk around World Showcase, particularly for the kiddos. And and you were thinking that they're probably doing a special Beacon of Light show on the uh, on the Epcot Ball this those, time for this cup. Those have been festival. rotating seasonally. Mm-hmm. Um, depends on what the theme is. I don't know what it is going to be this time. So, so that's another thing to point out is the merchandise, right? People tend to go, t- people go gaga for this Food and Wine Festival merchandise because they always change up on who like the special character is for the year. I think one year was what Spike the Bee. That was like a big deal. That's usually for that's the usually Flower and Garden. My apologies. Uh, but, uh, but last year was Tiana. Is yeah. it? It's always it's not always figment though. There's it's always Asian. a figment line yeah. almost it seems like, but there's always like a princess or uh, a stitch or, like or, a mini or Mickey. I think one year was like some kind of Mickey mini apples style yeah. apple orchard yeah, that's style. That's right. And then they had the whole apple cider booth, which was amazing. That might be back. Uh, it's not one of the confirmed booths, but that's one that tends to go, and then they shut down the Canada film. Which I think is a negative about that. I <laughs> yeah, think that's true. I think they need a, more space to put these things because I don't like that they close attractions to do this or just have the film running. I like, know. You know. That's true. They, they could have they just had it kept, keep running. Like even so, if, yeah. So uh, now that we kind of have an idea of what's included in the in the festival, do you want to talk about some of the different names of the booths? So this year confirmed so far are Alps, Belgium, Canada, Simmering Sips, Spain, Flavors from Fryer, flavors from Fire, the Fry Basket. I should not have put those two together because that screwed up what I was saying. India, Ireland, and Kenya. Those are confirmed. So we're going to have most. I think you're going to have usually the ones that return. You're going to get Hawaii. Uh, you're going to get an Italy. You're going to get a France. You're going to get a China. You're going to get a Japan. Right. But Germany. some. Um, but, like, something like Greece is kind of iffy on whether or not they're going to do it each year. That comes and goes, like, yeah. back and forth. Uh, yeah. Hop, they name the, like, Hops and Barley's been the America one. They change the name of it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Earth Eats and Coastal Eats, those are usually in Future World somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and Mexico, like... Well, and since you bring that up, that's also important to note. Just just because it's called the International Food and Wine Festival doesn't mean that all the booths are in the World Showcase. They do try to take advantage and put booths in the the future world area. The they're usually in the area that's really in the southern part that kind of faces towards Mm -hmm. uh, World Showcase. Like well, and back behind, uh, like in front of Imagination, that area in front of Test Track, and the walkways from there going in. So. just remember, though, uh, not all items obviously can be purchased by every single person in your party. If you're purchasing an uh, alcoholic-related beverage, clearly the individuals purchasing need to be 21 and over and should be consumed only by participants who are 21 and older. Well, you could also say the same thing about allergies, uh, being conscientious of what allergens are in certain and they're, uh, ingre- yeah. you know, That's true. Then they may not list every single ingredient on every single item, so it, they're going to try to do their best to have as much of that information available. But if you're concerned or need question, if you if, have questions, you can always ask a cat. If you have a non-allergy, like a something that's not a normal ingredient, like allergy, but like, and unfortunately, a lot of these they can't 
they don't always they don't always sometimes they can they don't always have the ability to make you a special one missing an ingredient like they would at some of the other restaurants that's true so remember these are mass produced quick things you're not going to be able to special order a lot of them uh so be careful that every booth usually has about between three to five food items and about Two to five drink yeah, items. Yeah. Unless it's a booth that is specifically designated for drinks only um, or desserts only. Right. Instance. But they're usually still going to have a drink. They're not all. There's a, usually going to be one non-alcoholic drink and a couple alcoholic drinks. Some of them, if they if they have beers, there's going to be three beers and then a beer flight. There's going to be wine. There's going to be three wines and then a wine flight. Uh, usually not going to get a mixed drink flight uh, unless they specifically have like a scotch booth or something like that, which they've done in the past. We should also talk about seating Uh, or lack thereof. Prepare (laughs) to eat on top of a garbage can. Um, Or or, or really in a non-conventional area. So you may end up choosing to to, to sort of park yourself on a bench, right, or stand. They do have a lot of the standing-only tables available, but they do run out. Um, it sometimes, depending on the type of dish or plate that the item is in, it can be easily cupped in one hand with your fork, etc. But if you're, you know, purchasing multiple things, they do have um, the plate that they make every year, which is designated for that year, which allows you to put some type of drink and a couple of maybe food items onto your little plate that you can carry away. I'll be fair, you know, I don't necessarily purchase that most years. I'm usually able to find enough hands uh, <laughs> um, and to be able to to carry whatever th- items that I need, well, but something to think about. So what exactly would you say are good strategies to use when you do this type of a food festival? Um, I mean, like I did say earlier at the very beginning, this is not for the faint of heart. Well, so it's definitely good to walk in and be prepared on what to what your experience yeah, is so going to d- be. Yeah, so definite strategies. Well, go hungry, first of all. If you are planning on eating a lot at this festival, go hungry. Um, Number two, do not think you can do this all in a day. Yes. Even the blogger and vlogger teams that go around bring like 10 people if they're going to eat everything on these menus. Yeah. And like, and even then, they're not repeating items that have come up. Nobody does every item. Nobody can do every booth in a day by themselves. No one can do every item, even maybe... I don't even know if any locals have eaten every item at the entire run of a festival. It yeah. just doesn't happen. I think I did all the booths one year, and we went to Epcot three times on that trip. And I had, yes. like, one item I split with people. and That's a good one. Split items th- together. Don't feel like you need to eat an entire yeah. uh, appetizer's worth of a dish yourself. And, so, well, and these you- are tapas-sized items. Yeah. They're very small. But if you're concerned about germ spreading as well, you can always ask whenever you buy your product if you can get an extra dish yeah, or an extra, extra cup. Yep. Um, because that also, they, they don't usually make a big deal about it because they know that people are splitting these items sometimes. Or you can carry along a collapsible cup with you, mm-hmm. uh, which are really popular at the festivals where people will use the collapsible cups and then they'll go rinse them out in the, uh, you know, the washrooms or the yeah. restrooms. The other also would be like a, a plastic plate, like a child-sized plastic plate if you want to bring a couple of those. That way, you, if it's like a party of three and you want to make sure that you've split it. Um, they do have ample opportunity for forks and knives and spoons, although do keep in mind that those do run out. And if you want to be conscious of plastic awareness in terms of waste, 
you can bring your own utensils with you as well. Or they often sell a little kit of reusable plastic ones that uh, you could go ahead and wash between things. Uh, But usually if you're splitting and cutting something up, nobody's going in for a second. There's not going to be enough in most of these items for that. Some of them are bigger, some of them are smaller, and prices range from usually about $5 to $12 for per item, depending on, like, if there's a lobster roll, it's going to be on the heavier end of that. Yeah. Um, if then, it's, like, cheese bread, it's going to be, like, 4 or 5 bucks. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I also like to ensure I get the little booklet at the beginning of the day. Oh, me too. That should be number one. That number should have one. been our number we, one thing. I totally forgot that but, tip. <laughs> but I like to mark off on there what my must-dos are at the beginning of my day, and I basically say, I know I have to get this item, this item, and this item. So that it kind of grounds me a little bit and ensures that not, not only do I have a challenge, because who doesn't love to challenge themselves, I give myself goals... But I also want to ensure that I have saved room and right. money for these things. That's and another thing, yes. Definitely, like, think about how you're spending your money and maybe, like, try to estimate a certain amount per day and a certain number of items. Give yourself a gift card. Yes. Put the money on a gift card. This is what I'm going to spend. And they have, you could bring a regular Disney gift card. They have little ones that they they yeah, the sell, wristlet ones. ones. Mm-hmm. You could do that. Yeah. Uh, and th- that's a great tip to keep yourself on a budget because uh, one of the first things I ever did writing uh, as a Disney writer was pricing out how much it would cost to do every item or one at every booth. And it's several hundred dollars at a minimum. I think yeah. five years or six years ago to do every item – was something like $1,500 for the crossing these higher things. That's about 50 bucks a booth to do well, everything. And prices have gone up significantly since then. And, and uh, that, and that, but you make a valid point. If you go there with your own Disney gift cards beforehand and you don't buy the little festival gift card, that's another good way to save money, particularly if you get it from Target or some other uh, vendor that sells... Oh, like a Costco or like yeah, a big that, that sells a, yeah, warehouse. Yeah, at, at an already discounted rate. Because then you can save a little bit of percentage there... But, you know, while yeah. and the, uh, that's true. The festival. If you want the wristlet and you've already done that, go buy the wristlet, load $5 on it or whatever the minimum is for that card. Sometimes those cards do might have a minimum. Uh, I don't know if that one does. I know there are special, like, Star Wars gift cards over in Galaxy's Edge that are metal and they want you to put a minimum of 100 bucks to get the card or something oh, like yeah. that. So they do that sometimes. But if you go to the app, the website that manages the gift card, which I think is Disney Gift Cards, they changed it recently. You could transfer your balance over to that wristlet, so you could do that, or you could make the wristlet yourself. It's just a gift card; you could punch a hole in it. Just don't punch it through the magnetic strip, and you're usually fine. I hadn't even thought about that. That's such a great idea. Meaning, if you because a lot of people do like the wristlets because it's convenient. It's, convenient. it's right there. It's easy to tap. Yeah. If you're not a fanny pair, a fanny pack person like me, it's. You know, where I can just literally take my wallet out. Some people like the wristlet also as a keepsake because oftentimes the little card on the wristlet is, is a is special part of the card, theme. yeah. It's part of the theme of the festival. So that's, that's a great opportunity to move money from one gift card over to another. But if you've done what we've done a few times and just kept uh, putting on your magic band and charging to the room, you're going to get a surprise bill for that. Yeah. Uh, also, um, and it depends on the festival and the year, but most of the time there is, if you keep and retain your uh, festival booklet and you're marking off and getting the stamps, they have a stamp off kind of section 
where when you do your order, the cast member will stamp it off. Yeah. And the nice thing about that is that during during the festival, if you've completed whatever the stamp collection is, there may or may not be a, <laughs> a free well, or consolation prize of some yes. kind. Sometimes yeah. it's a food item. Sometimes it's just like a, a like a gift. like a takeaway gift, right? So, well, this yeah. year that is the Emile's Fromage Montage. I think they did this last year. It's like six or eight items that somehow have cheese related. It could be a cheesecake. It could be cheesy bread. They're spread out at eight of the different booths. You get all of those stamped off, and then you bring that to whatever booth it is that's giving the prize. Usually it's like the refreshment port if it's, yeah. a, food, if it's a food prize. They list it and in the And it's an extra food prize usually. So you've eaten eight cheesy items. Here's a ninth. Uh, <laughs> and you don't have to do this all in one day either. You can do any of the collection kind of things over the course of the thing. And going with that, another one of these tips is this is a good time to take advantage of park hopping. Yeah, that's true. I like that. And, and another tip also is that, and I don't know if it's a tip, but I'd just say a, a positive, is that if you are a person who's not a super adventurous eater, but you're thinking to yourself, I want to try some new things, maybe try expand my palate, this is an opportunity for you to expand your own or even other family members' palates because these are small plates. It's an opportunity to take a new, uh, I don't know, like a new meat dish or a new vegetarian dish or a cheese that you've never had before and you say, I don't know if I'm going to like it. I wouldn't order this as if it was a full entree size, but maybe try it as something small. And you never know. You might find that you like something that you never thought you'd like. This is how I got my husband to try caviar. <laughs> there you go. You never, you never know. <laughs> um, but you, that's a great segue into basically what I think is probably the most important thing to talk about with this festival, which is the pros and cons, right? What are the pros and cons to having this festival, being at Epcot, and being a part of your vacation when you are at Disney World? Uh, we'll start with the cons. What would be some of your cons, Ron? Uh, it's expensive. It's going to add up. It's yep. probably the biggest con. As I yep. said, like, it, as, if you're buying like one item per booth, you're still going to spend close to 200 bucks or more. Uh, depending on if you're getting out and if you're getting an alcoholic drink at a lot of these, uh, and this is like, as I said, you can't do this in a day, even if you're sharing, it's hard to get all of it done in a day. Uh, just because even getting some of the lines, um, that's the biggest con I think is the expensive. The I food's also not always the best. Yeah, Quality. They're, they're from, from time to time, items can be hit or miss. Yep. Um, and, and the, the luxury of going later in the festival season can be, that maybe some of the items that weren't doing so well or weren't very popular have been removed or changed. Um, or, you know, because things are seasonal, you, you know, you get new things. Like, you never know. That could be a pro or a con for somebody, right? But I think another con would also be the crowds. It's, it's not necessarily that every single day during the International Food and Wine Festival that Epcot is the most crowded. These are, like, the most crowded days. It's not necessarily that, but it's that the crowds tend to pull into the World Showcase area for several of those afternoon hours when everyone's obviously trying to eat and get the um, I, you know, the items that they're craving and interested in at the same time. So the crowds do pull together there, and it gets pretty crowded. If you have lots of strollers in your party or if you have ECVs in your party, it can be a lot to sort of move large groups of people but from you know country to booth yep, to booth to country crowds, yeah. right so so it's definitely something to think about 
when you're dealing with, you know, you're planning for your day. Particularly try and go during the week. And I mean that Monday mm-hmm. to Thursday. Locals do tend to descend yes. Friday through Sunday, particularly, and sometimes in the afternoons as well. So go as early as you can. Most of the booths, I think, open around 11. Start going around that time. Yeah. I mean, you you bring up a valid point, though, Laurel. Whenever you're going with a a larger group of people, but you have people of all different ages, meaning you have children, and then you have, like, small children or even middle-aged children, but then you also have... Uh, mature mature adults young at heart in their ECVs. And it, sometimes what that really means is that you kind of have to all split up and you go to different lines, and then you all meet back at a table. And you bring all your, you bring all of your, your, uh, your, items. your items that you have <laughs> pilfered through the different uh, booths together, and then you kind of get to then tribe them all together. Um, I found that I think the last time we did that, that tended to work a little better than to try. Like you can't all go in line together, right? <laughs> so, right. So it's a, it, it's it it you definitely have to come up with strategies yeah. when you're dealing with those crowds. The other thing to think of also is that if you are doing stroller rental or ECB rental during a festival period that happened, like during one of the most popular festivals, um, they run out of stroller rentals and ECB rentals earlier in the day than what you might experience during regular times of the year. Um, just because, again, the crowds are planning ahead and they're mm-hmm. planning for, to, be, to do the rentals. The other is that ECVs tend to run out of juice a lot during the festival season because they are just churning and burning through these ECVs because of the crowds. Um, and I would say the festivals do tend to bring um, a high volume of individuals who maybe wouldn't traditionally want to go to a theme park because they don't, you know, they can't go on all the rides, they can't yeah. go to all the experiences. But these festivals attract a lot of individuals who maybe are really looking and craving for that kind of experience that's very interactive and fun and joyful, you know, like a festival, right? Yeah. That doesn't require them to necessarily have to deal with the constant exchange of rides and et cetera. So because of that, you then are dealing with a lot of ECV breakdown. So, you know, if you are renting your ECV through the park through the park services. Something to consider. Try not to get overwhelmed by the fact that you might have a breakdown in your day with your ECV. It's just going to happen because that is just a high frequency of what's going on. So that's a good point. I feel like that's happened at least once or twice to us with with our parent uh, whenever Mm -hmm. we we rented through them. Honestly, I think every single time it's during a festival season. Yeah. And it's, 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 Literally, not just us. It happens to everybody during the festivals. Again, because of that frequency of how many of those ECVs are being used, how long are they going back? The and, stop and go. Yeah, that's not, the, the stop, stop and go. go yes, and it, go. it runs the juice. Yep. I, I'd say for me, a couple of my cons really, you know, are I feel like whenever the festivals are there, there's actually less opportunity or reasoning, I guess, for me to choose getting a sit-down meal at a restaurant mm-hmm. that maybe I haven't tried yet. So less less opportunity for vanilla Epcot, um, which I, I enjoy a good vanilla. So, no, totally. I completely um, agree because you're saying to yourself, like, I'm coming during a special time of year. I want to spend I, my I time should, to, to yeah, It's true. You, I convince myself that I should be experiencing the thing that is not here all the time. Right. Um, but the other aspect to me, which is probably only important right now in our lives, is that the this type of a festival is just not as friendly to younger children. Meaning that 
If you yeah. have kids five and under, I mean, their interests are not going to be as catered to in this type of event. I mean, there is some usually some kind of playground uh, equipment of some sort that is usually at some part of the festival. But other than that, there's really nothing that is important to them out, unless your child has a very refined palate and interest in food, which most kids are not interested in food. No, I, I completely agree with you, Rachel. It can so, be a lot for the kids that age group to have yes. to constantly be stopping and going yes. and pausing. Yes. And, and I would say for us, like our daughter got intensely frustrated with that yes. last time. The constant getting in and out of your stroller and stopping. And she was always like, we were going to a store and she's like, let's keep going. And I'm like, I'm looking at stuff. So, like, I think for kids of that age group, it can be a little bit frustrating and a challenge. Yes. Those are my cons. But enough about the cons. We're going to end this amazing discussion on the Food and Wine Festival on what the pros are and why you should go to this festival or why you should do it at least once in your lifetime as a Disney fan. What are your number one uh, pros for the Food and Wine Festival. I mean, so many. You get to taste so many different things in one day. And, you know, I I personally am a snacker by heart. I'm actually not really big on giant meals and entrees. It's just not my personal interest and style of eating. And because I'm a snacker, I love to have lots of different things in my meal. Uh, Ron constantly, you know, jokes about the fact that I am like, I'll have a like a, a, a handful of these chips and I'll have a handful of grapes and then I'll have a handful of this and a handful of that and like a million things. I'm just like shopping around our kitchen and then he's finally made dinner. So, you know, and it's, it's like, so that's just me. I pre- prefer to snack and I just love to have a small bite, walk about, get myself a drinky drink, walk about, get another small bite. So for me, that really fits into my personal eating style and habits and I also am an adventurous eater, even though I got to watch my body, got to listen to my body. Um, it gives me an opportunity to have a small amount of some adventure, adventurous types of items without putting too much on my body and too much of a strain. So yeah. um, so those are some definite positives for me. What about you, Ron? Uh, yeah, I think it's the variety. Uh, I like having things like Eat to the Beat or mm-hmm. the other uh, music festivals that they have in there. I really miss the seminars. Uh, if those ever come back, those are such a great thing to do. Um, but it's really the variety. And I know a lot of people who live in places like Boston, New York, San Francisco, L.A. don't think there's that much variety to it because you live in a place where you can get yeah. all of these different cuisines. But even at like some of the local food festivals, you can't all get it at one place. Yeah. So I think that does mm-hmm. add something. And... You know, it's not the most extremes of these cuisines. You're not going to get, like, you know, the real, true, like, hidden gems. You're going to get the highlights of a culture's food. Yeah. And I think that is something that Disney does great. It doesn't do those detailed stuff. Well, they do details great. They don't do the in-depth stuff always that great, but they do these great overviews. Yeah. And that's what is here. I think for me, then <laughs> my general pros to always going to uh, the Food and Wine Festival is that y- you never know what type of food is going to be there. So it's exciting to try something new, but I'm also just always impressed at the creativity mm-hmm. that is put into the menus because they 
and the way that things are described. They also do a lot of tailoring of description of the menu items too, which to me also make it seem more interesting. Yeah. Um, and that always just feels very exciting. So there, if you are a foodie and you're very interested in food, you definitely have to go to the Food Wine Festival at least once at Epcot. Um, yes, there are probably some some cons here or there that you're gonna probably not love, but in, but but in the end of the day, you are still going to love all the food that you ate. And I would say ninety percent of the food that I've eaten at any food festival at Epcot has been delicious. Yeah. Like, it's been a very rare occurrence to me that anything was felt like low quality, even at a even when you're dealing with a very high-volume food festival like that. Yeah. So I've still always been very impressed at their ability to maintain at least a certain level of quality um, that I expect from Disney. Usually avoid the Italy booth, I would say, is I think our one... I know, but, well, but I think there's a second reason for that, too. Italy tends to charge a much higher yeah. price... For their particular foods, which is is dauntingly confusing for many people. Um, so, to me, the foods that they're offering there, while sometimes they actually do seem very interesting, I'm still not willing to pay $20 for a small sample of that no. item. But I will tell you, there is a small subset of individuals who do love the Italy pavilion. Yes, yes. Like, I, I remember one year they had a del- like a, this uh, giant ravioli. Um, which is unusual, and it's like something I'd never seen before. And our my brother in law Rachel's husband Casey got it, and we were all in awe. We were like, "Wow, he found the gem at the Italy <laughs> Pavilion, <laughs> and it was delicious." I mean, he ate it all by himself because that's what he likes to do. He likes to have his own plates, and that is totally cool. And we love that about him. But that's that's the thing. Like, and he found that delicious item, and he loved it. And it, it, I have to say, like, I see like. Seeing some find seeing somebody find joy in something that you weren't expecting, yes, is almost like the best part of well, Disney. I mean, and that's actually since you bring up a valid point there, I actually, and, and I know that my husband does not love food festivals. That's not like his first choice in yeah. Disney. Um, but I do enjoy going to a food festival with him because he actually forces me to think outside of my personal food box because of the things that he finds joy in that I don't. Would uh, necessarily we're thinking think outside about. the ice box. Yes. <laughs> So uh, in a way, it, it is still enjoyable because of the fact that you, you you see things from a different perspective. And I also think there's a lot of joy in seeing somebody, seeing everybody else have joy. Yes. Like it, 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 and it's a different way to enjoy Disney too. You know, like when you're sitting and you're going to, you're thinking about your Disney trip. I think most people are saying, oh, I want to know about what restaurants to go to and what shows and what rides. Well, it's just a different way to experience the same Disney, but in a different way, is to do the food booths and to have that experience together. I mean, I still remember one of my favorite items I ever had at the Food and Wine Festival, which I still dream about all the time and think to myself, man, I could probably go make that right now, which was basically the griddled cheese at the Grease uh, I remember stand, the very yeah. first time Grease ever showed up at the Food and Wine Festival. And they presented with this most simplest of items, and they said... Voila. Well, maybe in, in Greek. In Greek. But yes, the Greek version of voila. <laughs> and it was basically this amazing griddled cheese that they that they then doused with honey and, and chopped uh, pistachios. It yeah. was a very delightful, sinfully simple dish that I just still dream about to this day. I, I always think about the kimchi dog. I'm not a hot dog person. And I, I did not think I was a Korean food person. And then I had the kimchi dog and I was like, man... I think kimchi might be for me. And now we do Korean all the time. Yeah. I think my favorite booth 
uh, over the last few years has been the flavors from Fire. It's yeah. usually some sort of barbecue. Uh, they have a they had a drink with like a pork rind in it or so the pork I in this. that <laughs> it was a bourbon. It was great. Uh, the pork wings they do. It's very much up my alley, but very few boots do I ever say I wouldn't go back there again. Um, like the African boots and Indian boots tend to be very vegetarian heavy. Mm-hmm. You like the like. You're going to find oh, I love something. a good vegetarian samosa. Mm. And you know what? You don't always expect to go get a samosa at Disney and expect it to be spicy. And their spices were on target that year. Well, Mexico is well known for their empanadas at Epcot. They have amazing empanadas in the Mexico Pavilion. But but on that note... Yeah, unfortunately, we aren't going to be there to try everything. But, you know, check out... Find a vlogger you like and watch their video of that is a good way to go. Oh, you know, we should go. probably just give a little bit of a tips about vloggers. We we love watching Disney vloggers, first of all. We watch them all the time. We're probably a little, even a little overly obsessive about it. And we all have our own opinions about vloggers. But I will tell you this. Vlogging about food at Disney is almost purely opinionated-based, you know, information. It's their opinion. Just, we, I tell everybody... Look at the ingredients, decide for yourself if those are the kinds of ingredients that you're interested in, and you can choose to give it a try or not. Vlogging and all of the different blogs and the different kinds of written materials have lots of incredible, interesting, and wonderful information available. Reserve your own opinions for the foods once you've had a chance to taste. It's like any kind of reviews. Find, like, like movie reviews. Can't read everybody's movie reviews or go by somebody's score. You find that reviewer you tend to agree with on a lot, and you follow them along. And it's the same thing with the vloggers. Like, some of our favorite vloggers aren't very adventurous eaters. Like, they will scoff at the idea of eating the escargot, but it's always an interesting dish to try. And when they try it, and I know it's sometimes some of our family's only time they've ever eaten escargot was at those things. Mm-hmm. So, be, be pay attention to them, but be warned about their biases going into that. That's a good point. Yeah. With that, Rachel, any any last words, final words? No, we have covered everything, and hopefully we have now given enough information to our audience for them to be able to then go out and then make a, hopefully make a very happy decision <laughs> to, to book a Disney vacation during the Food and Wine Festival. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. On behalf of myself, Laurel, and Rachel... Uh, Thank you guys for listening to Mouse Words, and have a good night. Night!